0: Too loud, and we can adjust it if it is. Um, so. okay. Oh. is that okay. Can you guys hear me okay right now? Okay. Uh, did, did everybody get a handout, or do we need to make a few more? Raise your hand if we need to make a few. One, two, three, four, five. Maybe we can make five more of these. We'll make a few extra. Okay. Great. Okay. Um, well, everyone, thank you for coming. Um, my name is Carrie Gabluski. I'm one of um, I'm a clinical audiologist, um, and I work over at DHMC. Yeah, just a little bit about myself. Yeah, um, I went to University of Connecticut for my undergraduate um, training. And, um, and from there, I um, went to Vanderbilt University out in Nashville, Tennessee, which was fun, yeah, um, for my graduate studies, and that was a four-year program, yeah, um, and I came out with a clinical doctorate in audiology, so I'm not a medical doctor, but um, uh, a clinical, clinical specialist. Yeah, um, For audiologists, there can be master's degrees and clinical doctorates. It's transitioned over to the clinical doctorate. So you might see both out there. And so my job and what I um, hope to do today is to provide a little bit more information on hearing aids because I know that for a lot of individuals, it's really really, really hard to know what to look for, what to expect, um, and um, after I'm done talking, um, please take notes if you have any questions. That's my favorite part, so um, I really like to answer those. So. Alright, so what we're going to talk a little bit about this afternoon is briefly how our hearing system works and um, some of the causes of hearing loss. Um, The number of individuals who have hearing loss and um, signs that um, you or an individual um, may have some. And then we'll really focus on the amplification side, okay. So um, we have hearing aids but there are also other devices out there that can help to meet people's needs um, and so we'll briefly talk about that. There are many, many, many different um, things (coughs) that can cause hearing loss Um, from something as simple as earwax to um, serious middle ear problems and everything in between. Um, For today's discussion, uh, we're going to focus most on hearing loss associated with the aging process. Um, The clinical term for this is presbycusis hearing loss associated with aging. So in a nutshell, the um, the way that we hear uh, is that sounds travel through our outer ear, that's number one, and hit the eardrum. Um, The eardrum starts to vibrate, and the sound is sent through the middle ear, and then to the inner ear of hearing, which is a structure that's called the cochlea. Inside the inner ear, or the cochlea, are anywhere between 15 to 20,000 little cells that are called hair cells. And their job is to transmit the information to the hearing nerve, which then sends it to the brain. There are two main kinds of hearing loss, or types of hearing loss. The term conductive hearing loss Refers to problems of the outer ear, eardrum, or middle ear. Um, the term sensory neural hearing loss is a problem associated with the inner ear, the hearing nerve, or the brain. Um, for most individuals with age-related hearing loss, um, it is a sensory neural hearing loss, and for most individuals. It's because the cells inside of the cochlea stop functioning and uh, working as efficiently as they should. Um, Another um, area that can be affected with aging is um, our ability for the brain to process sounds and information as quickly yeah, um, as maybe um, when uh, younger years. Yeah, um, I don't think that that should be overlooked. I do meet individuals who um, come in who have a, a normal hearing in our test booth. Yeah, um, so they're able to hear all the soft sounds, but they still are noticing changes and concerns with not being able to follow really fast speech for example, Um, and that's just um, more related to how the brain itself is taking the information and processing it. Um, So hearing loss is not a rare thing at all. There are um, an estimated 31.5 million people in the United States, um, which is 10% of our population, that have hearing loss, and it affects all age ranges, Um, not just um, individuals who are older. um, We see that 65% of individuals um, with hearing loss are younger than 65 years of age. Um, One one in six people between the ages of 41 and 59, and then one in 14, which actually is a pretty high um, number uh, between the ages of 29 and 40. So we definitely see all age ranges um, when we're working in the clinic. Um, that said, hearing loss is more common with age. Yeah, um, about a third of individuals in their 60s, um, and up to 70 75% of individuals in their 70s have hearing difficulties. I thought it was interesting, I was looking through some studies to find these numbers. That um, One study showed that over 77% of individuals in nursing homes have some degree of hearing loss um, and this could be related to again the aging process but also um, other medical problems that they may be experiencing as well that can be impacting the hearing. And to make that number a little bit higher than the general public. So common signs of hearing loss, um, it's oftentimes really hard to know, am I I noticing a difference? Is it the same as it was a year ago? Because for most individuals, it occurs very, very gradually over time, kind of like watching a child grow up. (laughs) And although it can occur suddenly, but again, for most individuals, it's something that's gradual. Um, individuals may notice that they're having to ask people to repeat speech more often, that speech sounds muffled, or people sound like they're mumbling. Um, TV and radio are louder um, than other people, spouses and family members, prefer. Um, and then. Difficulty understanding when there's more than one person in the room or when there's other background noise going on, that's a a big um, concern. Um, A lot of individuals find that they have to focus on a person's face and lips to kind of fill in some of the information they're missing. Um, And also, while it's not exclusive, Um, many individuals who have ringing in their ears also have um, hearing loss as well. Although there are some individuals who can have normal hearing and ringing, um, but it's more common to to have some hearing changes going along with that. Um, A lot of individuals or some things that individuals might notice is um, increased stress because they're having to strain more to understand what people are trying to say Annoyance at others because of difficulty understanding. Embarrassment when meeting new people or misunderstanding what people are saying. Feeling nervous about trying to hear and understand. And ultimately, um, withdrawal from social situations um, that you may have once enjoyed um, because of the hearing difficulty itself. I have a few more things to say, but I'll wait till I'm done with this. Um, So if if you or a family member are noticing um, concerns with the hearing or have questions about that, the first place to go um, would be to your primary care provider, Um, and the reason why we recommend this rather than going straight to a clinic for a hearing test is that um, for Medicare in particular, it does require a referral from a medical provider in order for the cost of the test to be covered. Um, it's something that you may want to bring up to your PCP because when you're being seen for an annual visit, there are a dozen and a half things on the physician's mind that they're trying to check and t- um, you know cover all their bases you may be hearing them just fine because you're in a quiet room face-to-face with the provider uh, talking about your health so it's a really nice ideal situation um, and so it might be something that you need to initiate um, one other thing just a little side note um, when i mentioned that hearing loss oftentimes occurs gradually there are um, some instances where individuals can experience a sudden hearing loss. Um, We see it not too infrequently, Um, it's about one percent of the population that will wake up one morning or over a period of one to two days and notice a pretty rapid decrease in their hearing. That actually is considered a medical emergency, the one medical emergency that we really have in audiology and For treatment to be most successful, uh, we need to start it quickly. So if you wake up with not being able to hear out of one ear, um, contact your doctor immediately so we can kind of get the ball rolling on um, on what we need to do for follow-up. I wanted to mention one thing, I didn't put a slide in here, I'm saying about hearing loss. associated with aging is that oftentimes the hearing loss will start in the high pitch or treble areas first. There are several reasons um, for that. One being is that the cells inside the inner ear that are respons- are responsible for high pitch sounds are also the most vulnerable. Um, and they rely on um, blood flow and oxygen um, the most. And so oftentimes if there are changes um, in how the cochlea is functioning, it will affect those ones first. So it's not uncommon to see individuals who have normal hearing in the base pitches or the low pitches, but hearing loss that gradually gets poorer. Yeah, um, over the higher frequencies. Yeah, um, and for a lot of individuals, it's not that they can't hear. They can hear that people are talking, but it's the clarity that has changed. And that's because the consonant sounds of speech tend to be high in pitch. so And they also tend to be soft. Think about the F and how soft that sound is or the S, or the T, -t or the K, these are soft sounds that are not projected very well. And so individuals who are noticing concerns in these areas, or having hearing loss in these regions, aren't going to hear them. But they're going to hear the vowel sounds just fine. They can hear that someone is talking, because those are low pitch sounds that are projected more. um, So it's oftentimes not an all or nothing nothing (laughs) thing. It's some situations um, where it can be more challenging than others. um, This might be a good place for questions before I delve into the hearing aids discussion. Um, Any questions about what I was just talking about? Yeah. As I'm sitting here, I have ringing in the ears. Yeah. W- what is that all about? I get it from time. I, maybe I have it all the time, but I was only aware of it because you brought it up. Okay. So the question was um, about ringing in the ears and um, what causes it? Um, why is it there? That's a great question <laughs> uh, with no definitive answer but there's a couple of theories. One theory is that there can be damage in the inner ear, and the cells are therefore not responding correctly, and they're sending information to the hearing nerve that, you know, randomly um, without the actually be, being stimulated by outside sounds. The other um, probably more common um, cause of tinnitus or tinnitus um, is changes in the brain itself. Um, I could probably talk for an hour about this, but um, a couple of theories. Um, Our brain is always sending information and signals back and forth. For individuals who have hearing loss, parts of the brain that were designed to process high-pitched sounds, for example, that are no longer getting high-pitched sounds are generating a signal to compensate. Um, Another theory is that there's always underlying information going on that's usually covered up by what we're hearing because we're missing some information, the the signals are no longer covered up and are therefore processed as audible. um, So I know that that's not um, an extremely elaborate answer to that, but um, that's one reason why we do recommend having um, uh, the hearing checked if individuals are noticing ringing in the ears. Um, and there's a, a lot of things, again. that uh, med- There's some medications that can cause it. Um, but for the most part, it, it has to do with changes um, with <coughs> the hearing itself and the brain trying to compensate for that. Go ahead. Uh, could you recommend uh, good earplugs? Uh, I often find I go to like got my film society and the sound is so loud and in my case my husband's taken up the bagpipes in retirement. (laughs) And uh, I have bought earplugs but they don't really seem to help that much. Is there a certain brand that you would recommend? That's a good question. So the question was regarding earplugs when it's really loud at the theater or perhaps a spouse takes up a musical instrument. (laughs) um, I can relate. Um, (laughs) So there are the ones um, that they sell over the counter. Um, at pharmacies and drugstores, just the foam earplugs. The trick with those is that in order for them to be effective, they have to really get deep into the ear. So my recommendation when putting them in is to pull your ear up and back so it opens up the ear canal more and it can go in more deeply. Mm -hmm. Um, After that, um, they do make Custom hearing protectors. Um, I believe at DHMC, I have to think, I don't want to, don't write this down. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I believe they're about $50 a piece. Um, So $100 where we could get, don't write that down really, Um, I could be wrong, it's under $100, where we can um, either get just regular earplugs. Or we can get uh, musicians earplugs, so for individuals who want to be able to hear sounds, but just not all of it, um, they have ones that keep the frequency response flat, so that you're still hearing exactly what you might be hearing without them, but just at a lower volume. I don't, other than that, I I don't really have a a great recommendation. Yeah, there are some that are made
1: that are called earplanes. You can buy them at drugstores and places like that, they're very inexpensive. Okay. And I have them because when I'm flying, uh, I put them in so that when I come down, you won't, sometimes you get that earache when you Mm -hmm. come down from a high altitude, they cost very little. And and what happens is that I can't then always understand the person who comes down the aisle and says, would you like something to drink? I don't even hear them because I have this in. (laughs) So it might be a possibility.
0: Okay. So um, this woman's recommendation was um, devices that are inexpensive, you can get them at drugstores called the earplanes. And um, they can be really effective in in, in an airplane and reducing the sound.
1: yeah. Uh, when you mentioned the what is F and S and, and things you can't hear, uh, that's my problem. Well, you're, still, you're hitting close to home now. Yeah. Uh, I'm on my third set of hearing aids, and the sound it magnifies, but it's not clear. Okay. It's loud. It's so loud, but okay. it's not clear.
0: Uh-huh. Is,
1: is there a, a special hearing aid? I'm on my third set now. the, it, uh-huh. it's me. It's not the hearing aids, right?
0: It could be a combination of both, um, so I'd I, I like to repeat the comments so that everyone can hear. Uh, um, so he was saying that uh, the hearing instruments that he's been using, it magnifies these sounds, but it doesn't make it clear. That can be related to the hearing aids, but it also can be related to the type and degree of hearing loss. The worse the hearing, the harder it is to replicate, um, quote unquote, normal sounds. And the reason why is that we're working around a damaged area of the ear. We're not replacing it. So we're asking parts of the ear to do jobs that um, they may not necessarily have been designed for. So if you're a a cell in the inner ear that's designed to receive loud sounds and send it to the brain, (coughs) and now you're all that's left, and you're being asked to process soft sounds as well, it's really tricky. My recommendation, um, you asked if it was the hearing aids. It could be. What we want to do is to check to make sure that the speech ranges are being amplified based off of your hearing test um, appropriately um, and it depends on the hearing aid as well. Um, but that's why it's tricky with hearing aids is that um, we're still working with a damaged system and um, trying to get it to to... Do all the jobs of a normal ear. Yeah. So, I'm going to move on to hearing aids a little bit. Um, this is my favorite thing. I, I really enjoy working with hearing aids. Yeah. So, uh, one estimate is that um, 27 million people in the United States, um, I don't know if that's in the United States, I think it's the United States, can benefit from hearing aids, um, but only 6 million. Um, have them. Um, Another statistic is that about twenty percent of individuals who need a hearing aid based off of their hearing test actually have one. um, There are uh, several studies out there that individuals who go um, without sound for long periods of time um, have Um, higher incidences of depression, anxiety, and in some cases, of course, it's uh, dependent on the individual, paranoia. If you're living in a silent world and are feeling isolated, um, it can definitely have psychological effects as well. Um, So why don't more people have hearing aids? The number one reported reason is cost. And then also the negative reports um, from other hearing aid users. Um, Not liking the um, the size, hearing aids whistling, um, volume not being comfortable, not helping in background noise. And I'm going to address all of these things. Uh, One thing that I think is really interesting is that in Great Britain where um, it's what do they call it, a socialized health care system, yeah. where they do have um, hearing aid coverage, you think they don't have to pay for it, so everyone who needs one should have one, right? Yeah. It's still closer to 20 to 30, 33 yeah. percent. So that can't be the only reason. Yeah. Um, and so. This is a question I get very often, Uh, why do hearing aids cost so much? um, Our, per hearing aid, this is one, um, at DHMC our prices range from $900 a piece to $3300 a piece. um, Does that depend upon the brand or? Yeah, so the question does it depend upon the brand? It more depends upon the technology Uh and I'll touch on that. Um, and so we do have to um, take into account um, things like research and development. Um, hearing aids are much, much more sophisticated than they were even 10 years ago. Um, and the reason why is because of continued research in the field. Um, production, marketing, um, staff, etc. cetera. Um, We also have to compensate for the clinic expenses as well. Staff, equipment, supplies, rents, utilities, follow-up visits. Um, That said, um, as a general group, we feel that hearing aids are too expensive. um, It makes us angry when we see marketing to audiologists that um, doesn't necessarily need to be. We don't need to go on a trip. to. To Hawaii to learn about a new product, and that's actually not something we can do. So, um, and there really, really should be efforts made um, on the part of the manufacturers to bring down the costs without compromising quality. Yeah, um, so, just a, another couple words on cost. Um, Medicare, unfortunately, does not cover hearing aids or hearing aid related expenses. Yeah, um, that's short and sweet, unfortunately. Yeah, um, we have seen some changes in New Hampshire for commercial ex- um, insurances. One positive thing that we saw in about two years or three years ago in 2011, um, was a bill that was passed that requires insur- insurance companies to pay $1,500 towards the cost of a hearing aid in each ear and professional fees. So that's a huge change. Unfortunately, not every um, insurance company has to follow that rule. There's always little loopholes. Um, So we can't say blanket that all private insurance companies do, but we're seeing more and more that do. So I always tell people if you haven't checked since 2010, you might want to contact your insurance to follow up on that. Um, yeah. I, you said it doesn't. Uh, Medicare doesn't cover hearing aid related services yet. You said you should go to your primary care um, and be referred. They will cover the cost of a hearing evaluation. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, and after that, um, they generally don't. Yeah, um, I always encourage veterans to see if they might qualify for hearing aids through the VA. Yeah, um, I, I did my um, my last year of doctoral training at a VA out in Tennessee and I also know um, several audiologists at the White River Junction VA and the Manchester VA and they work with top-of-the-line hearing aids. Um, These are the same companies we work with outside, you know, at DHMC or elsewhere, Um, so they're not like stripped-down government hearing aids, they're actually really good devices. The two ways to qualify for that are um, if you get primary care through the VA, that's the easiest way, or if you have service-connected disability through the VA. Um, And if you have a question about either of those things, there are benefits counselors um, at every VA um, that you can follow up with and ask questions to. Um, Medicaid um, sometimes covers hearing aids. Um, In New Hampshire, they will cover the cost of one hearing aid, and it depends on the Medicaid plan. And you have to have more than a certain amount of hearing loss. Vermont. Depending on the plan you have, we'll cover two. Um, and their requirements are a little less strict in terms of how much hearing loss you can have. I have seen some individuals get help through a Lions Club or a Rotary Club. Um, we accept care credits, which can help spread out the payments a little bit more manageably over time. Um, and this is a and. <coughs> A credit card for health-related purposes. Mm -hmm. So it'll cover things like dental work, hearing aids, and veterinary bills. We'll cover that too. Um, I used it for my cat. (laughs) um, So So what what was that? I used it for my cat. (laughs) 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 The Care Credit. Care Credit. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And where do you get it? Um, You can go online and sign up for it. Um, I always just send individuals down to patient financial services um, at DHMC, but I'm pretty sure it's something you can um, do online. Um, And then the last thing um, that we offer at our clinic is a refurbished hearing aid program. So for some individuals who have Medicare, they're on a fixed income, I didn't touch on voc rehab, I will in a second. Um, So individuals on fixed incomes um, who don't have any other um, um, ways to pay for hearing instruments, um, we can fit them with previously used behind the ear devices. Um, So what we do is we accept any hearing aid that's donated to our clinic whether it be from 1965, or an in-the-ear hearing aid that's custom for someone else. Um, we can send it to um, a hearing aid, a manufacturer that repairs hearing aids, and they use them for parts. And then we get points so that we can buy much better refurbished hearing aids um, that we can actually fit individuals with. And then we also take hearing aids if they are, you know, 2005 or 2003, 2004 or better technology, um, we can absolutely use them. Um, So again, this is financially based, but um, I really hate to hear that someone is, you know, really suffering because of significant hearing loss and cost is the number one limiting thing. Um, I would still encourage them to come to the clinic and we can see if there's something we can help with. Vocational rehabilitation um, is a program that is within each state. Um, I'll talk a little bit about New Hampshire's, where um, voc rehab exists to help individuals who need things in order to do their jobs most effectively. Whether that be glasses that they can't afford or hearing aids. Um, It can be part time work or it can be individuals who are not working but are seeking employment. And we work with that very closely um, and frequently um, for individuals who are employed or meet those other criteria. Um, And they can cover up to the full amounts of the hearing aids. It is financially based. However, you don't have to be at the poverty line to qualify. Um, I've seen middle-income individuals qualify for 50% coverage for hearing aids um, and and whatnot. So I always encourage individuals to contact Voc Rehab. There's Voc Rehab in Vermont. Um, It's a long story I don't want to delve into. (laughs) Uh, But right now in Vermont, um, our clinic is not currently working with their voc rehab program, um, nevertheless, um, I would very much encourage individuals to to contact um, a provider at voc rehab if they have questions. Okay, so now I'm going to get into more of the costs um, discussion of why some hearing aids cost more than others. most clinics will offer, yeah. I have a question on this last program. yeah you say, You're
1: saying Medicaid, <clears throat> what if we don't have it yet? Or is this something
0: we should be signed up for at our ages? Medicare or Medicaid? Medicaid, Medicaid um, is something that you have to qualify for, um, and it's usually if you have a disability. So it's for in- individuals who are low income and um, have a disability um, and then they will work to apply for this program. Um, It's state funded um, and um, therefore um, all the health care is covered through taxpayer money Um, and not everybody qualifies for Medicaid. Yeah, usually, um, you have to meet very specific criteria for that. Yeah. Mm. Well, so, it's been recommended. All right, so uh, most, most clinics offer um, three or more levels of technology. All of the hearing aids today are digital, but I always say that it doesn't mean it's magical, it's just a different way of processing the sound. Yeah, um, uh, over at DHMC, we offer four technology levels. Yeah, um, and they're priced accordingly. And I really do feel that what you're paying for if, when you go uh, more sophisticated in technology is more sophisticated management of background noise. Yeah, um, it used to be that. Um, Kind of the basic hearing aids, they're they're kind of like cars. They're going to get the job done. They're going to get you to the grocery store. But it's kind of a, it will make sounds a little loud. It will make sounds appropriately louder for you. But it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles. If you want to cut down sounds (coughs) from behind you, you would just press a button to do that at the basic technology level. When we move over to the standard hearing aid level, Um, They start becoming more automatic, where you don't have to press the button to um, change to help in background noise. When we go higher in technology, you get extra things like wind noise reduction, um, a setting where the hearing aids can really super zoom, kind of straight ahead, helping to suppress sounds from the sides as well as from behind. Um, and then upper level hearing aids, you will never hear me say that anyone really needs upper level hearing aids. I think at this level it's more of a want, yeah, um, which is great, I want heated power seats, but um, I'm not going to pay for them. Um, and what we see at the most sophisticated upper level um, area is they're the most automatic um, of the group. Um, And they have the most going on in the backgrounds to help make it so that if you want to zoom in to cut down the sound from the side, you don't even have to press a button for that anymore either. Technology changes rapidly so that um, just a couple of months ago, the company that I work with most closely um, rolled out a $900 level hearing aid where the only difference between the basic and the standard is that the standard offers wireless compatibility. So standard level and higher. Um, we could have the signal from the TV sent straight to the hearing aid. We So how does someone with hearing aids um, use their iPod um, without having to take the hearing aids out? Well, you don't have to worry about that um, anymore. You can have the music streams directly through the hearing aids. A lot more um, convenience things um, being offered, um, as well as um, devices that can help um, in background noise as well. Does that go for the phone too? Do some people take their hearing aids out? Some people take them out for the phone. I would say most people don't have to with newer hearing instruments. Yeah, um, let's see if I I would say most of the hearing instruments today um, either have a special setting where when you hold the phone up to the ear, the, um, it will automatically switch into a special setting for the telephone. Um, or with some of the, the newer styles where there's less blocking the ear the, um, that I'll get into in a minute, they could just use it like normal. The, um, but. Mm, Most people I I work with don't have to take them out. Um, That's the goal because that just gets annoying over time and also when um, that's when they start to get lost and misplaced. Um, So now I'm going to delve more into the negative reports from other hearing aid users that I had uh, brought up earlier. Why do some people not like their hearing aids? One of the biggest things that I see in our clinic, um, from other clinics, um, is that the hearing instrument is a good hearing aid um, and is appropriate for someone, but it's not tuned appropriately based on the hearing test and the person's ear. So I can have someone, I could sell someone, you know, the most sophisticated hearing aids in the whole wide world that cost, you know, $7,000. But if they're not making sounds loud enough, where the person has hearing loss, or they're making them too loud, they're going to end up in the drawer. That's what we call ITD hearing aids, in the drawer hearing aids, and that's what we want to uh, avoid. We, um, so, something that I, this is my little soapbox, but I, I feel very strongly about is that every hearing instrument. Um, a new fitting um, have what's called real ear verification where we can actually put a microphone, it's not that hard in the ear we can play some speech the hearing aid amplifies the speech and then the microphone measures how loud um, the sound has been made and then we can easily compare it to the hearing test Okay, these mid pitches here, it dips down, so I'm going to give it more volume. Um, and we can really, really get a closer closer starting point um, and really make sure that we're making sounds audible for individuals. Um, even though, um, interestingly enough, it is required for new hearing aid fittings to be, um, to have real air verification performed. in. Great Britain, Australia, and Canada. It's not required in the United States, even though it's considered best practice. (coughs) Um, I would say 70 plus percent of providers um, don't perform these measurements, and are really relying on the manufacturer software to predict how much uh, volume a, a certain person needs. That's great, and I would say, Maybe 50% of the time, it's right on, Um, but if someone has a small ear or a large ear or an ear that's had surgery on it or an ear that has a sharp bend um, to the ear canal, that absolutely will affect the acoustics and the sound waves that are coming out of the hearing aid and ultimately what you're hearing at the level of the eardrum and beyond. Um, so, my my uncle actually just uh, last week sent me an email, he lives out in uh, uh, Florida somewhere, uh, in central Florida, um, and he said, you know, I'm interested in hearing aids, what should I be asking for? And I said, number one hands-down thing is to go to a clinic that consistently performs real ear verification. And it will tell you that you're, you know, that the hearing aid's doing what it should be doing, but also tell you a little bit more about the provider um, being very conscientious about um, certain things. Okay. Nevertheless, not every single one of my patients is 100% happy all the time, and that's because of other things. The um, Limited benefit due to the severity or degree of hearing loss. Uh, Like I had mentioned earlier, hearing aids can't repair the damage that has occurred inside the cochlea. Uh, We have to use the cells that are working um, and ask them to do a little bit more work. Um, And that's why uh, we were we're never going to restore hearing to a, a normal hearing range. Sometimes people ask me well, how does my hearing with a hearing aid compare to a normal hearing person uh, you know a normal hearing person? Um, it doesn't. Um, even someone with the highest ends, top of the line technology who has, you know, mild sloping to moderate hearing loss, um, is still, you know, we got the best fit highest end technology, hearing aid, and they're still gonna be at a disadvantage compared to a normal hearing Individual, yeah, um, so that that can be um, very disappointing for some people. Yeah, um, speech understanding and background noise yeah, um, can continue to be challenging with hearing aids. Yeah, um, they're mu- hearing aids are much better now um, than they ever used to be at managing. Um, um, sounds other than just giving them volume. And most people tell me that they hear better in background noise with their hearing aids than without. I'd say 10, 15 years ago, that definitely was not the case. Um, And that's where we've seen some of these technology advances. Nevertheless, it's still not an easy listening situation for many people, um, but perhaps better, so uh, depending on the person and the situations that he or she finds themselves in, or um, the restaurant they're in, the acoustics. Uh, um, I've been in some restaurants in the upper valley that are acoustic nightmares, I say. um, It's tough. And so, um, there's a lot of these factors. Um, Unrealistic expectations. Um, I just said this. Uh, We want improved hearing, um, not normal hearing. If you see a provider who is telling you that you need a top of the line hearing aid and it will fix all your problems and background noise, I would be I would raise an eyebrow yeah, um, because they're AIDS and just that, it's in the name yeah, um, and they may help but um, and, and top of the line hearing aids are great but they're still not perfect. Another huge thing is that it takes time for the brain to adjust to hearing sounds again. So. Hearing loss occurs gradually for many individuals over time, especially, um, and it can start occurring in the high pitches first. So by the time someone comes to see me, it's often been 10 to 20 years since they've heard high pitch sounds. So I'm fitting a hearing instrument, I make sure high-pitched sounds are made audible again, and the brain is like, what the heck is that? It's really apparent and very noticeable, because it's different. um, And this is my big analogy, is that just like it takes time to get used to cold water, I always say, like, if you put your feet in the ocean, it's cold at first. um, But if you leave them there for a little while, your body gets used to it. um, The water temperature hasn't necessarily changed, but the way your body is perceiving it has. And it's the same thing with hearing aids and sound. um, It usually, except the brain is slower, um, it usually takes two to three, upwards of 30 days to really um, get used to it all the way. It's definitely not an overnight thing for most people. Um, So I'm of the the tough love crowd uh, where I might want to provide as much audibility in a reasonable amount as we can on the first day. And just have have someone use it, see how it goes. I'll say half the people will come back and say, everything's pretty good Uh, in terms of high pitch volume, do we need to tweak that, low pitch volume, whatnot. Uh, Half the people will say, sounds are still too sharp. And then I'll go ahead and make some adjustments, knowing that we've given the brain some time to do its work as well. Okay. Um, so I always say hearing aids have to be, have to make speech audible. I would say successful fitting is when we make speech audible for individuals in a way that's comfortable to them. So I can give you the loudest hearing aid in the world and make everything audible, but you'll hate it because it won't be comfortable. And on the extreme flip side, I can program it to a way that sounds perfect to you and it might not be much different than what you came in hearing with, and so, it's a compromise. Um, With newer hearing instruments, generally, we're not seeing problems um, with whistling or feedback. uh, It certainly can depend on a a person's degree of hearing loss, but that's not something that I would expect most individuals um, to have problems with nowadays. Having to fiddle with a lot of switches and buttons um, and volume controls, Um, ten years ago buttons were great, um, you press the button, it cuts down sounds from behind you, very helpful in background noise. um, Today, most hearing aids do it automatically, so you just want to let it be. um, They're more sophisticated at knowing the difference between soft medium, and loud sounds. Um, I can remember back in the 90s, you know, people turning the volume of their hearing aid up to hear someone who might be soft-spoken. And then, you know, someone louder comes in the room and then they have to turn it down. And that's because the hearing aids didn't know the difference between soft and loud. It just gave the same amount of volume to everything. Well, we know that most people with hearing loss need help with soft sounds not necessarily the loud ones. And so they will give different amounts of amplification um, differently depending on how loud the sound is in the environment. Um, And I already touched on the background noise. Ah, Technology is always changing. I was thinking of cell phones and I found that of uh, Zach And say by the bell. And you know, 15 years, we saw huge changes in computer technology, cell phone technology, and hearing aid technology as well. Yeah. And I, you know, so I was thinking, if it was 2002, and I had a mild to moderate hearing loss, um, you know, not, not very severe, but not perfect. what would I recommend? Um, Well, in 2002, I would recommend the one on the right, the behind the ear hearing aid. We could have also done in the ear, but I'm just comparing behind the ear right now. um, And um, that was a hearing aid that was pretty popular back then. Um, The one on the left is one that I'm working a lot with right now the same exact degree of hearing loss and um, people who, 10, 12 years ago, we were telling hearing aids won't help you. Your hearing is too good and a hearing aid will be more of an annoyance than of a help. Completely um, 180 degrees different. Uh, these hearing aids that are, allow air to get into the ear, don't block them up all the way, um, can be really great for people um, who might be what we might consider borderline candidates. Um, so I just took a picture of that in my ear. Uh, those are the same two hearing aids. Um, I know. Um, so um, I, a question I hear a lot is do I need two hearing aids? Well, generally, um, two is better than one. Um, if you have hearing loss in both ears, of course, the, um, two hearing instruments will help with sound localization, of course, but also with background noise. The, um, two ears working together are um, you're able to hone in better on the signal that you want to hear. Um, and something that's actually rather new that I d- wasn't thinking of when I made this slide is that some of the benefits of new hearing aid technology require two hearing aids. Um, uh, One hearing aid has two microphones on it Um, and for some of the technology to work um, at these upper technology levels, it requires four microphones working together. um, So that's another advantage of having two hearing aids, again, in background noise settings. But that said, never will I say that it's two or nothing. Uh, One is always going to be better than none. Um, I'm getting this question a lot, can I buy a hearing aid online? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for a number of reasons that may not be necessarily on someone's mind when they're thinking about it. The, um, the hearing aids are just, you know, may not be customized for your specific degree of hearing loss. The, um, it's interesting, when I work with manufacturers, they, um, so that hearing aid I just showed you, the one you can't really see. It will come with specifications and it will say it's appropriate for mild to moderate degrees of hearing loss. But depending on the person and the size of their ear canal, that can very much change. um, You might need more power than what the manufacturer thinks you do. Also. Yeah, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing, Um, it needs to be making sounds appropriately loud at the right frequencies. um, My recommendation is that if someone does, because we'll see people who have uh, hearing aids online, but if, uh, so what we'd want to do is to have an updated hearing test, um, one that's not done on the computer, uh, um, that we do in the clinic. And we want to program and, of course, verify that the hearing aid is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Um, Be aware that um, if they're not bought at the clinic where you're going to bring it to, um, they're not giving away those services for free, unfortunately. Um, And they can be anywhere from $300 to $600 for an initial fitting and verification. Um, including any follow-up visits um, on top of that. Definitely ask about refund policies. There should be one. um, I've seen this before as well. Um, There are dozens and dozens of hearing aid manufacturers that exist. Um, At DHMC, we have soft programming software to work with maybe 10 or 12 of them. um, If you bring in a hearing aid that we don't have the software for, we're not going to be able to tune it. um, So there's not much that we can do um, at that time.
1: Yeah. Uh, I have a friend who says they're going to go to Costco to buy a hearing aid. Uh Uh-huh. What do you think of that idea?
0: Costco to buy hearing aids. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. What? I want to make sure of um, is that it's verified, that they're getting the volume that they need uh, based off of their hearing test. I've seen people with top of the line hearing aids from other clinics that were working as earplugs because they just weren't loud enough. Yeah, uh, also um, you know, hopefully the technology will meet their needs and it, it's more than just an amplifier Um, but it has some ways of managing the background noise. Um, I don't know if I talk about this. Okay, so I'm going to talk about one thing that's not in our (coughs) slides, and it's something that's called directional microphone technology, um, where that's out of all the changes in hearing aids that can help with background noise, this is probably by far the number one um, thing that has been helpful in the past decade, um, since the early 2000s. And um, again, it's directional microphones, where when you get into background noise, used to be you flip the switch, but now they do it automatic. um, Sounds from behind you are not amplified as loud as sounds from in front of you. Think about your noisy restaurant. You don't want to hear everything the table behind you is saying. You want to hear the people you're looking at. Um, so you're not going to get as much volume amplified from, from the back. It's, it can be very effective. And it still surprises me um, to see hearing aids that are purchased, t- really good hearing aids that are purchased that don't have directional microphones in them. I would be very, uh, I counsel, if, um, if we, there definitely are hearing aids that are too small to have two microphones. And I counsel by patients that they're giving up a lot um, to go smaller. And if that's okay with them, um, then that's fine, but again, it still surprises me um, to still see hearing, new hearing aids that uh, don't have this technology.
1: What if you want to hear somebody that's speaking behind you? <laughs> yeah, like in a car. Well, um, I
0: go for walks with my husband. And yeah. Um, well, a couple of things. Depending how noisy it is. So if you're doing a, going on a walk with your husband, um, it's probably going to be picking up from all around because the noise level won't be enough to trigger it to cut down the sounds. But I definitely have people where they, they find it helpful, but it sometimes switches at the wrong times. Um, not too often, but once in a while. And that's why most of the hearing aids still have a push button option. So you want to make sure it doesn't cut down sounds ever when you're taking a walk or when you're in the car because you want to hear the people behind you. Um, then um, you just uh, tap the button when you're in the car. And you can be assured that it's not going to be switching up on you. Um, there are actually some hearing aids, the ones I had mentioned, where they zoom to the front. This <coughs> ones or if you wanted to, one option would be able to do the opposite, zoom to the back. You've got a toddler in the back seat, or fast-talking teenager. Um, and <laughs> then um, that can be really helpful. Um, Can I use a hearing aid that was given to me by a friend or family member? Sometimes, it depends on the power of the hearing aid and um, the degree of hearing loss. uh, Generally what we'll see is that we'll need a new ear mold if it's not um, a real open thin tube hearing aid that we can use um, without an ear mold. To teach individuals about using the hearing aids, to do do the initial fitting, um, it's $400. um, And then we would need an updated hearing test, uh, but we're more than happy to do it. Um, For in-the-ear hearing aids, um, most of the time they're shaped specific for the ear that they were fit with, um, so it won't be comfortable in anybody else's ear. has the potential to be recased to fit a different ear shape. Uh, Manufacturers don't really like that. Um, I've asked a few, um, and they've not uh, done it for me, Um, which is unfortunate. Um, But um, I think it's probably been done before. But uh, we could uh, take a look at it. Uh, My friend or family member has a very small hearing aid. (laughs) Can I get one like that? Yeah, um, maybe. Uh, It depends on how much hearing loss you have. The more hearing loss someone has, the more power we have to give to make the sound louder. We have to take these soft sounds and really power them louder. That's going to require an amplifier so think about your concert now where they have these big amplifiers so you can't hear yourself talk. Uh, um, well, the bigger the amplifier, the larger or um, greater sound output you can get. So on these really teeny tiny hearing aids, they're not ideal for individuals with, who, who need power. You know, um, they're just not going to be loud enough. You know, um, and loud enough with room to grow. We don't want to fit a hearing aid that's already at the upper output limits. We want this hearing aid to last you five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Um, And if we're already at the top limit, that's never a good place to be starting. Um, So also, like I just mentioned, um, they typically have less features for background noise management um, notably, those directional microphones. Um, they're not large enough to hold an antenna, which allows the hearing aids to be wireless, like I mentioned. So that requires space. And same thing with the telephone feature, the automatic phone. Um, that requires a, a special little device called a telecoil. Okay, um, that needs to all fit in that casing. Okay, um, and if it's just Not enough room, there's not enough room. Uh, So um, it's generally a discussion that um, we would have. And you know, I have to say, at the end of the day, my feeling as a provider is that once we make sure a hearing aid is able to meet the power demands of the hearing loss. So I can't recommend something that's not appropriate. but as long as it's appropriate, at the end of the day, the best hearing aid for someone is the hearing aid that he or she is going to use. I can recommend something to a blue in the face, but if a person's not going to use it or not going to be happy with it, it's not going to bother me, it's going to bother that person. And so, you know, at the end of the day, um, I have some really happy users with the teeny tiny hearing aids. And they are completely aware of the limitations of those devices as well. Um, If you're going to um, a clinic, I would ask um, about follow-up visits um, and warranty. Um, Hearing aids generally come with a one to two-year warranty. Um, At DHMC, we just decided to make things simple. All hearing aids come with a two-year warranty. That requires, or, or requires, um, that will cover any repairs, um, follow up checks, and loss coverage, one time loss coverage for each hearing aid. The, um, the trial period, the, um, there has to be a trial period with hearing aids. I don't know if this is fe- federally regulated or state regulated, but it is mandatory to have a period of time where you can return the hearing aid for a refund. Now usually that's minus professional fees, so we have a $400 professional fee. Um, That's not refundable, Um, but the cost of the hearing aid is completely refundable. uh, Also um, the education of the provider. Not everybody is an audiologist. So like I mentioned earlier, I have uh, eight years, uh, well I didn't study audiology all eight years, but I definitely have four solid years of graduate school training behind me um, just to study hearing. um, Amazing how much there is to learn. And um, there are also individuals um, called hearing instrument specialists. We have two wonderful hearing instrument specialists that um, help us at our clinic. Um, we would not be able to function without them. Um, but you know, there are differences um, in the training. <coughs> they don't generally um, do the recommendations or the or the fittings. Um, what the hearing instrument specialists um, at DHMC help us with are uh, repairs. You have hundreds and hundreds of patients. And so uh, we do see a pretty steady um, uh, repair turnover. Yeah, um, and troubleshooting problems yeah, um, and answering questions, um, as well as checking on equipment. And I'm sure five million other things they could talk to you about. But, um, really ear verification. Yeah, um, Is the hearing aid doing what it's supposed to be doing? um, Interesting, um, the directional microphone technology that cuts down sound from behind you. Um, We actually check that and make sure that that's working. About three years ago, we started to do that. And it was interesting. I was finding hearing aids where nothing was wrong. The person was happy as a clam, And, um, and I go to verify. That it's cutting down sounds from the back, and it's not. So, people are paying a lot of extra money for these background noise features, and they weren't working. And so, um, these are other things that real air measures and um, these, these checks can find out. Um, I have one person where the microphones were backwards. So it was picking up sounds from the back, but not from the front, once you pressed the button. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, sadly, that had happened for a couple of years because um, the technology to measure them um, just wasn't available. And when we started doing it, yeah, um, again, be aware of uh, beware of offers promising perfect hearing aid free services, buy one get one free, um, or obvious attempts to really upsell. um, um, Recommendations from a friend, the Better Business Bureau. Um, I strongly recommend individuals to contact the Better Business Bureau if he, she, or a family member or a friend. Um, has had a really negative experience um, and is upset about the way that they were treated. So if they weren't given a trial period um, <coughs> um, or uh, a hearing aid was fit in the ear with normal hearing um, or something like that, that would be something reportable. Um, at our clinic, we um, there's uh, a number of different steps. It's not like getting glasses um, at all. What we would need to do for someone who we've not seen before is, first of all, find out what their hearing is. Um, do they have hearing losses in both the ears? Uh, do we need a referral to an ear, nose, and throat doctor because of an ear infection or a hole in the eardrum or, or something like that? Um, If they're a candidate for a hearing instrument, um, we would schedule a hearing aid selection appointment where you come back to talk more depth about specific technologies, styles, um, and um, the auditory demands of the person. So the the listening demands of someone who is a busy physician are different than someone who um, really likes peace and quiet. Yeah, um, and there's no, I don't think it's necessary if you are not in background noise much. I have people who, you know, have to say, I'm an introvert. My husband and I live in the woods. We like our quiet lifestyle, um, but um, I'm usually not going to recommend the top of the line hearing aid because those are the ones that have more management for background noise. Um, But we'll talk about all that. So then we need to order the hearing aid um, and fit the hearing aid. Um, So that's the hearing aid fitting appointment. And then we start the trial period, where um, we want to make sure that you're happy and satisfied with the hearing instruments, and that they're meeting your needs. And if they're not, then we have an opportunity to do something before you you have to take them home and keep them forever. Yeah, um, I always tell people I'd much rather people you know go on a cruise than have four thousand dollars worth of hearing aids in their drawer. Actually, I'd or more rather them have hearing aids that are in their ears and that are helping them. But um, you know we don't want to end up in that situation, so we have a trial period where we can either refund the cost of the hearing aid or. Try something different. Okay, we tried the in the ear. There were some problems there. Well, let's try the behind the ear and see if that um, is fixed. Um, How long is your trial period? Our trial period is 30 days. So we have a pre-scheduled follow-up visit about two weeks after the hearing aid fitting. And it's the audiologist's discretion if uh, we want to extend the trial period beyond 30 days. Um, we can extend it. I would never say to someone, well, you need to decide by Tuesday, or, or it's over. Um, but um, generally on paper, um, it's a 30-day trial period. OK, it's a very small slide. So um, we have nine audiologists, two hearing instrument specialists, um, a wonderful educational consultants. So we see a lot of pediatrics. Um, which is why we have four pediatric focused audiologists. Um, And an educational consultant who goes out to schools to do teachings and trainings for the teachers on how to use equipment. Um, An assistant who helps us test the children, um, which is more challenging than you might think. Uh, um, And um, a doctoral student. Uh, So right now we have a wonderful young lady um, who is in her last year of uh, doctoral, uh, her graduate program and she's spending a full year working with us. Um, and then we'll set her free and she'll be her own audiologist. Okay. So what if I have trouble hearing after I get my hearing aids? i mentioned that hearing aids aren't perfect, um, background noise is still challenging. But there are more options now than ever before. Um, you know, I have a hard time hearing the TV because the kitchen's right behind the living room, and the dishwasher is going, and this faucet is going, and it's just so distracting. Well, we can set it up with newer hearing instruments now so that the signal from the TV is sent directly to the ears. You, um, just like those headphones, those TV ears, Um, Mm -hmm. and um, except your hearing aids or the headphones. um, They recently came out with a little device that actually looks kind of similar to what I'm using here. Um, You're in the car, um, you're having difficulty hearing the passenger. Well there's a device where if it's clipped to um, a shirt, it's a microphone and it will pick up whatever that person says and send it directly to the hearing aids before it has a chance to mix in with the background noise. Um, FM systems, um, these, I always tell people they're about the cost of a hearing aid, but if someone if someone who had hearing aids that were two years old came to me and said, would newer hearing aids help me, Um, I, I, I will buy new hearing aids if they will if the hearing aids are good hearing aids, what we might want to do is to talk about an FM system instead where um, it consists of a transmitter um, that you can put in the middle of a table. Um, and actually they just came out with a really neat uh, revised one, I fit one this morning, it was my first one. And it looks just like a pen and you put it in the middle of the table. and. It picks up the voices that are being sensed towards the middle, which gets sent to your hearing aids rather than everything from all around you. Yeah, um, so on um, the other side of the spectrum, sometimes um, less is more. Yeah, um, where we have assistive listening devices like personal amplifiers. Um, one ones that are similar to what we have on the table here. I've had people come to me um, who have uh, a relative in the hospital. uh, They were were in hospice, and they were having a hard time communicating with them, and they were going to buy them a hearing aid. Um, And what we ended up settling on was a $150 um, pocket talker like the one on that picture, where when, it, you know, when it's important to be communicating, the person just put on the headphones and that was that. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it met the needs of that person, so everybody is unique. Yeah. Um, if the primary and only concern is the television, there are devices called TV ears uh, or similar devices where you can just put headphones on and hear the TV through the headphones. The VA I always says that those have saved many a marriage. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. There are phones now. So you know how there's closed captioning on the television? Well, they have the same thing for phones. Yeah, um, where you're talking, just like you're watching TV like normal, but the words are at the bottom. You're using the phone just like normal, but using voice recognition um, the words are also typed or displayed on a computer screen. Um, so if you need to fill in the blanks or um, the topic of the conversation changed quickly and you didn't quite catch that, um, you can um, help fill in those blanks. Um, the Northeast Telecommunication Distribution Center and the Northeast Deaf and Hard of Hearing Services um, are located in Concord. They're wonderful. Um, they provide phones really at no cost um, to individuals. Um, so again, income based, but um, really they're not expensive devices, um, and they can help with that. Um, question: I always like to. I'm finishing. Up. No, 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 I wanted to interrupt because I'm listening to you out there. Do your wonderful presentation. And um, some of the devices that you've been talking about uh-huh. the last couple slides, the representatives from oh, these perfect. organizations are out front, so yeah. you all can um, see the equipment that you perfect. can and try it Yeah, something that concerns me um, is, uh, I'm scared of fire, that's yeah, my thing, um, and I wonder, and I bring up to my patients, if you were sleeping alone, and it was 3 a.m. in the morning, would you, and you didn't have your hearing aids in, would the smoke detector that's in your house wake you out of a sound sleep? Some patients will tell me, oh yeah, I could hear it. But will it wake them out of a sound sleep without having to rely on um, a spouse or a partner? There are amplified um, smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. And there's also lower pitch ones. Like I mentioned, hearing loss oftentimes um, affects higher pitches more than lower pitches. Not always, but often. Well, smoke detectors are high in pitch. So if they make ones where it's the same thing, but it's just a lower pitch amplifier or ring up, um, My advice would ask the individuals out here uh, today and to look on the internet. Just type in smoke detectors for hearing loss or something like that. Just checking to see. Um, so we would probably talk to you, or we will, about um, ways to help prevent repair problems with hearing aids. Um, hearing aids are small computers that you're wearing in your ear, many hours a day, exposed to lots of different elements. We can't make them too rugged and sturdy. I've had people say, "Well, they can make computers that don't break." Um, you know and all this stuff. But, well, if we protected a hearing aid like we can protect some computers, it would be so big no one would wear it. (laughs) So there has to be a compromise. And um, moisture management is a huge thing. um, And moisture can affect microphones, it can affect the amplifiers and the internal electronics. Um, And so um, something as simple as storing them, in a a container with grains of rice that absorb moisture. Um, We actually provide little desiccant beads that help absorb moisture. um, And say creating a routine to avoid loss, Uh, routine cleaning. um, There are extended warranty options. Hearing aids last on average of five to 10 years. Uh, um, People ask me why. Well, uh, it's kind of like a car when it gets over 200,000 miles. You can keep driving it, usually. Yeah, um, it's not going to blow up as soon as it gets to 200,000 <coughs> miles, and neither will a hearing aid when it gets to eight years old. Yeah, um, but what we might see are higher rates of repairs. Yeah, um, and then usually, you know, it's eight years out. We're sitting down, and I'm having to tell someone that their hearing aid needs repair again takes three weeks to get back. Yeah, um, and that you know, <laughs> technology has changed. And if the hearing aids are meeting their needs 100%, fabulous, to get it fixed. But if it's not, you know, um, things three years ago that have come out that, um, that um, weren't available before, um, the Bluetooth, for example. It could be really helpful for a lot of people, uh, the wireless. (laughs) Um, So it usually is a discussion like that um, about improved background noise management. Okay, you got your hearing aids in 1999, um, they have directional microphones now. um, And uh, that's why on average we see that turnover. So a few things I'm just going to touch on. Because everybody's different and unique and so are their hearing losses. Yeah, um, for some individuals, hearing aids really aren't enough. Um, there are not enough well-functioning cells inside the inner ear for a hearing aid to do much good with. Yeah, um, we're amplifying sounds, but we're not making them clear. Yeah, um, And even in quiet environments, it is extremely challenging. Um, These are generally individuals with severe and profound hearing losses. Um, And there's a surgery um, called a cochlear implant um, that can um, occur that we work with at um, DHMC. has changed lives. Um, People who used to not want to go out and do anything because it was just too frustrating. He, um, now we're able to hear better and, um, and participate better than they used to. Is this a Medicare covered procedure? Yes. This is for individuals with uh, who are not able to follow quiet speech or speech and quiet. He, um, so um, we have strict guidelines for this. Once the device is put in, whatever hearing you had in that ear is gone. So um, it's not for everyone. Uh, for a lot of people, they don't care. They've got nothing much to lose. Um, they have a profound hearing loss in that ear that's not helping them anyways. Um, for some individuals, there's more to lose. And so um, it's um, just because a hearing aid isn't helping anymore doesn't mean it's over and that the game's over. Um, Just as I like to let people know that if their hearing loss is progressive, very rarely are we against a wall where there's nothing else left that we have to discuss. There's usually um, a lot of options um, that we can continue to explore. Single-sided deafness, um, individuals who can hear well from one ear um, but not the other. Um, There are a number of devices that are available now, Um, a couple are surgical, one is non-surgical, and they've improved dramatically over the years where we can, say my left ear is bad, Um, we can take the signal on the left side and have it sent over to a hearing aid in the right ear or um, using a surgical technique. We could vibrate the bone. um, On the left side of the head, there's a little microphone, picks up the sound. It's an imperceptible vibration, and it causes the ear on the other side to respond, and that's how the signal gets there. So um, (coughs) there's definitely more options. Ten years ago, all three of these devices, um, well, it's two of them that require surgery, one that doesn't. Ten years ago, none of these devices existed. um, It's always important to note that individuals with hearing loss are going to understand best when they can see a person's face. Um, I see many a couple in the clinic who tell me that their spouse is the hardest person for them to understand and that's because I think um, you're with your spouse the most often and most often in situations where you're not face to face. If I'm not with my girlfriend, we're usually doing something together. Uh, very rarely are we having long conversations from across our house. Yeah, um, whereas if I'm with my boyfriend, yeah, um, I'm more likely to be shouting from the kitchen, um, you know, or I'm more... More likely to be in the living room shouting at him to check the fire because um, I didn't check it, and then he's always like, "What?" And I'm like, oh, okay." <laughs> he, um, we have normal hearing. He, um, it's challenging. Um, let's see. Um, if you're talking to someone and they've asked you to repeat twice, and they're still not understanding, rephrasing What you're saying oftentimes can be more helpful, providing a little bit more information. What's for dinner? Okay, I didn't hear that two times. Um, The third time I might say, um, "What are we having to eat tonight?" Um, So we've got eat and tonight. Maybe those words are picked up more easily. Okay, now I have my questions. But it'd be okay, I'm just going to grab a drink of water real quick. I okay. So, what question is going to help answer for people? Go ahead. Um, if you have mild hearing loss and you get a hearing aid, will it prevent you from lo- losing more hearing? No, it won't. Unfortunately, the, um, hearing aids won't prevent hearing loss. Um, however, the, um, there's still benefit um, to the hearing nerve having continuous stimulation over time. the um, Hearing loss that goes untreated for many, many, many years, um, when an individual is ready to try and start using a hearing aid, oftentimes it can be a more challenging experience. Just like if I don't go running for three months, and then I go um, sign up for a a race, it's going to be harder than if I had continued to run the whole time.
1: Yeah, um so. go ahead. Yeah, what kind of a hearing device would you recommend for someone with dementia
0: who can't manipulate anything? Yes. Um, for, so for someone with dementia or um, hearing loss or <coughs> memory loss, yeah, um, I would recommend um, one of two devices, um, or especially a lot of dexterity issues as well. The teeny, tiny, small hearing aids are fantastic in terms of how they look, but if you can't get the battery door open to change the battery, it's going to help you for about five days. um, And my recommendation for someone um, with dementia and dexterity problems um, is either a behind the ear hearing aid with an ear mold, Um, so if you think back to that picture. oops where I I had the ear mold and then the hearing aid behind the ear, I might actually still recommend something more similar to that style because it's easier to hold on to um, and it's easier to hold on to, it's easier to manipulate. And then I would definitely recommend something that was as automatic as possible. We don't want to have to tell people When you get into background noise, all you have to do is to press the button. Because I will tell you, at least half the people I work with never
2: remember what the button did.
0: What does the button do? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. yeah.
2: You mentioned early uh, marketing, and that's what really annoys me about this whole industry. It's a bunch of uh, attractive young women trying to get you to the shop and (laughs) tell you all the money you're going to save. And uh, I can't understand why, with the increases in technology, the decreasing cost of computers, and all Mm -hmm. of this, these things are so highly uh, expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it just seems to me as though it's an industry in collusion. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting articles in the Valley News and other places about some new miracle hearing aids, and these are not advertisements per se but there's somebody in Bangladesh or something that's got some new kind of a device that for $250 it's 99 percent as good as some $5,000 thing and I don't believe that either so mm-hmm. I don't know which way to jump I mean it's, it's just a whole bunch of nonsense out there. That's it, why it,
0: I was hoping um, that uh, trying to do more talks like this can perhaps provide individuals with more information Um, So you you feel like you can make a more informed decision. Um, Again, we don't have a whole lot of control over the costs. If I could reduce the costs, um, I I definitely would. That said, I will say um, six months ago, the $900 hearing aids that I was talking about, where you have to press the button to make it do something. They have released, rolled out a new um, device where it's almost exactly the same as a hearing aid that's $700 more expensive. Mm -hmm. So my hope is that the manufacturers will continue to help provide less expensive options um, for individuals. Um, It is very frustrating as someone in the healthcare field. Um, I don't consider myself to be a hearing aid dispenser as much as I do a clinician. Um, My job is to to help people, not to sell them something. Um, And It's very hard for me to see um, some of the marketing and um, some of the... what the manufacturers um, will offer, uh, you know, clinicians that we're not allowed to take, and I would never. But um, you know, I think that there should be rules against that. Um, but I think perhaps if individuals, um, yeah, I, I don't have a great answer for your question uh, or for your your concerns, other than. Um, Just trying to make people better aware of what they're getting and what um, what they should be looking for. Yeah, go ahead. Um,
1: One question I have after listening to you. I'm going to get a new hearing aid. Mm -hmm. And I seem to sense that you feel there should be no need for buttons to control? The, uh,
0: well, most of the time. And so, um, for most hearing aids, I like the set it and forget it, where you put it in and you let it be and you go on with your life. However, for most hearing aids that I order, I do have a button on it that gives us options. So, if someone came back and they told me, the hearing instrument is perfect in every situation, but when I go to the theater, it's still really challenging. Then the button starts to give you options. Yeah, well that's what I have with this. Yeah, it? yeah. Um, so it's not something where all day long you're pressing it. Now you're background mm-hmm. noise. Now you're not. Now you're watching TV. Now you're not. Um, it's more for those more specialized situations that um, I save the button for. So that. There
1: should be an optimal volume, and you shouldn't have to change it. Right, that. right. so. I, I did ask for that. A, an information sheet that came from Mayo Clinic uh-huh. said specifically be sure to get one that you can adjust the volume. Mm hmm. So.
0: It yeah, um, depends on what year that um, that brochure was made. Well. Um, and it, it may also Two okay. years ago. Okay, um, so she uh, was reading information at the Mayo Clinic that said be sure to get one where you can adjust the volume. Uh, we definitely want one where there is room for volume changing. Yeah, um, whether it be if you come back to the clinic and we need to change it to no, be a little bit so louder, more. we never want to be at the top end of anything. Yeah, um, and. Actually, some people I work with really, really like the volume controls. It doesn't mean that we can't have it um, at all.
1: Yeah. So. And I, oh, go ahead. The other question I have is with the blue Bluetooth uh-huh. sort of thing for television, radio, when that's in use, is it getting the sound before it goes through the TV? Because the. The TVs themselves apparently cause distortion in sound. And Bose has something that
0: is quite expensive. That's a good question that I am going to be honest, I don't know the answer to. Usually, um, there are devices that can be plugged into the TV, um, and it would be like plugging headphones into a it just increases the sound that's already
1: there. Okay. okay. And
0: it might depend on the. It might depend on the TV as well. I don't really know, but I could try to find out. Well. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, good questions. Good questions.